using that energy of anger into my voice and into my creativity. So that's how I learned how to integrate it. And I'm sure there's a plethora of um, different ways and systems to do it. And I'm like I said, there's other parts of me that I'm, I see, okay, that's going to come up soon. So we're going to have to learn to, you know, work on that. But having done it a number of time and done that kind of messy self-reflection and honest reflection as well, you know, and looking at parts where I was culpable, you know, taking the blame and taking the responsibility for it, not just being everything that happened to me, but my reaction and my behavior was not always the best. But again, we do it because we're doing the best that we can. Have you ever wondered why you are the way you are? Like why you have a patterned way of thinking and feeling and doing? Maybe you are a serial people pleaser or you're constantly diminishing your own self-worth. Maybe you're extremely competitive or you're a procrastinator or you're constantly attracting and creating conflict in your life. Or maybe you are someone who is struggling to express your true self. There are parts of you that you keep suppressing and hiding, whether it is your fun, silly side or your creative side or essential side as a woman that you a feeling shame around expressing? Well, today we're going to shed light on exactly why you are the way that you are and do things the way that you do so that you can rise up and express your best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that goes beyond the day-to-day to help you live your most aligned life of purpose and potential so that ultimately you can achieve freedom and fulfillment. Today, I am delighted to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with spiritual life coach Carol May Wittick where we speak about shedding light on your shadows. What are your shadows? Well, your shadows are the parts of you that you avoid. Maybe you don't trust, or maybe you suppress due to shame because of the way that you were conditioned into thinking and acting as you grew up. And this is such an important thing to talk about because your shadows are essentially your programming that runs the way that you live your life, whether you realize it or not. So if you want to fulfill your potential, if you want to express your best in your career and in your life, then you better look at your shadows so that you're not a five-year-old living an adult life. And Carol May Wittick is the perfect woman to be speaking on this because she has experienced an incredibly diverse and rich life of travel and learning and experiences and has been on that journey herself of uncovering and integrating her shadows to lead her to where she is and who she is at this point in time as a spiritual life coach and creator of the Higher Energetic Resonance podcasts, her conversations and her inspirations, where she shares and coaches clients to provide tools for the awakening. So in this episode, Carol explores what are our shadows? You know, what is shadow work meant to achieve and how do we do shadow work? Like how do we reflect on our shadows to integrate them in our lives? And Carol shares her own journey of integrating her own shadows. What were they and what worked and what are practical tools for you to start to shed light on your shadows? Carol has a beautiful presence and energy that I know you will feel as you listen to this episode. So I am just so excited to share this conversation and gift this wisdom and this energy to you. All right. Dig in. This is my conversation with Carol May Wittick on how to shed light on your shadows. Carol May Wittick, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Trang, for the for the invitation. It's going to be a fun conversation for sure. Oh, absolutely. So let's get straight into it because I know that you have some incredible stories to share, some deep wisdom. I would love to start off by asking you about your journey into spirituality because I've know I know that you've been on a deep and a big journey and that's 
allowed you to develop the embodiment and the the wisdom to share about shadow work. But I'd love to hear more about your story. So what was your journey into spirituality like and what led you to your month of Kundalini yoga study in India? Mm, okay. So I was born into the church, basically. So my father, who's passed now, was a pastor. He was like, you know, you can't really get much top than that. So I was a PK. I was a pastor's kid. And so <laughs> I came from and ask anyone who's a pastor's kid and then they'll know what you mean. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost like heir to the throne. You know, you're born <laughs> into like a lineage of something. So I came from a background and I'm still part of that background of a deep belief in something bigger, no God, like source or anything like that. But it was called, it was God, it was Jesus, it was Christianity, it was Pentecostal. So there's that deep belief and that deep understanding that there is something around us that we can speak to and we can be led by. So that has never left me. I'm not denouncing religion or anything like that, but there was there was more of desire to search for me all the way through. I've always been a questioner. I've always wanted to know why and how things work or why and how people do the things that they do. So over time, as I grew older, I kind of moved away from the church during my teens, which I think is kind of commonplace with a lot of people where they pull away and they, you, you just do, if you grow up in a certain situation, you get to a point in time where you want to work out who you are and whether you think that you can find what it is about you within the confines of where you grew up or you think that there's more out there. And I was always interested in esoteric kind of things as well. So I used to, you know, back in the day, I used to use the library. <laughs> this is it, you know, I had a library card, I'd go and get library books. And I was always looking at different books, like books to do with like palmistry and astrology and and everything outside of outside of there as well. So there was this all this interest in what's all this other stuff. And also why wasn't I taught that? Because, you know, the background that I came from, like that kind of stuff is considered quite evil and demonic. And I wanted to know why. <laughs> you know, I wasn't just going to take somebody's word for yeah. it. So just my interest in all of that just became a delving into all these different kinds of modalities because it was like there are all these other people who they seem like good people. They have a belief in something, but they're not of the church. So what is it that they believe in? What are they using? And my interest in yoga is in like quite funny, really. I used to have this, I don't even know if they still do it, this cereal called Special K. You know, it was meant to yeah. be like a healthy kind of thing. Anyway, We've got I that remember- in Australia too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I used to love it. And also, I, you know, I, I was, you know, had this kind of thing about it. It was meant to be like this healthy thing. Anyway, they, there was one time where they were doing these things. If you collected all these tokens, you'd be able to get these DVDs of yoga. So I collected all these tokens because I'd heard about this yoga thing, but I'd never done anything of it. And I got these two DVDs of yoga. And there was one that was an upper body one, one that was low body. And I started practicing yoga. And I'm like, this is an interesting thing. And then I decided that I wanted to go to classes. So I found a local class to me and that was like a half a yoga. And that was my introduction into the world of yoga. So I then started to try all different yogas. So Hatha, Ashtanga, Iyengar, like all of the different yogas, even Bikram and hot yoga for a while. And I kind of stayed in that for quite a long time, doing lots of different yogas and really felt that maybe I'd do a teacher training with it at some point because I found that it gave me a real sense of my body that even though I'd been quite athletic I'd never really truly connected with my body on that level until I really started to do yoga you know really felt a connection to every part of my body whereas there was an element of me not being in my body and then I kind of got to the point with the yoga where it was getting really commercialized in the studio that I went to and, you know, good for them because they're running a business. So it needs to be. But it, it just kind of started to move away from what I'd got, that kind of excitement that I'd felt at the beginning of, of my yoga journey. And um, also, you know, I thought, well, if I think I want to be a teacher, why am I always relying on going to a class and having someone lead me? I need to build up a discipline of my own, really. And um, 
when I got really tired of going to like yoga studio, yoga, yoga classes, I didn't really like the way it was going, getting super commercialized. They're playing like real, like heavy industrial pop music to it. I'm like, this doesn't seem to be the same, you know, like, and there mm. were only a few teachers that were kind of involving like um, mindfulness or meditation and collab, you know, bringing those two together. And then within that studio, it felt that that was not the way that they wanted to go. So they'd pull those teachers out. And then after a while, it just became this kind of like exercise class more than anything else than than the yoga that I had kind of joined in to. So then I went online and I used to be a member of Gaia TV and I just looked in the back and they had all these different yoga classes and there was one that was Kundalini and that's like, that's the, the only one that I've never tried out of all the yoga. I'd at least done one class in every single yoga. So I just tried like a half an hour class and I just felt it was a very different feeling. It wasn't just solely about the way that I felt in my body, but there was almost like a shift in perception and a shift in energy in that half an hour class. And then I was like, what is this? And just went on this Google, (laughs) this Google (laughs) gig and started to find out different classes. And then started to really practice that at home and then by the January of the following year I decided that I wanted to do a teacher training and found this teacher training place in India and went out to India for a month to do that and you know it wasn't the best teacher training that that there is as well which is one of the reasons that I don't promote myself as a Kundalini yoga teacher trainer because I didn't feel that it went into it as deeply as I wanted to but I did get a lot from it because it was, if I take away the teacher training, it was a good retreat. It was, I made connections with people who I'm still connected to, to this day. And it was six days of real, you wake up five, 5am in the morning. I learned pranayama. I learned mantra. it, It was a real healing experience as well, because I was coming out of the back of like a big bereavement in the family. So it's something that I needed to do. And then when I came back, because it was just a real shift in my understanding that's why I wrote a little book about it because I came back and I'm like, I just need to get this down and really diarize it and just put this tiny little book together and like stuck it on Kindle, and you know, just to at least like solidify that experience for me. And then I joined a group and I practiced and I, I worked with them for about three years, three and a bit years, you know, so I learned a lot about the practice. What I'll say that I took from that is a, a real discipline in the spiritual practice, a real discipline in meditation, because some of the meditations that we did were up there you know over an hour sometimes so I really developed that that um that that security in or that surety in knowing that I'd be able to kind of sit still and really train my mind and focus and then do things time and time and time and time again for days on end for months on end so built that discipline of a practice in me so nothing lost there as well it was just time for me to move past that when it was time for me to move past it Wow, what a journey from when you were young and you already had that curious mind of like wanting to understand more about, you know, the esoteric nature of reality. Like I mm-hmm. I hear that and I'm like that is that is something that can't be taught. Can it, you know, you can't teach a curious mind and I I know I didn't have that when I was young. I just took whatever I was taught as this is this is fact. I, yeah. I've definitely de- developed more curiosity now, but I love that you had that from a young age. And no doubt that has opened up your world so much to mm. travel, to experience different you know, types of yoga. Like you, you've put yourself out there to expose yourself to a lot of different teachings and a lot of different experiences in life, which has no doubt gotten you to where you are now in your life, where you have done so much work on yourself. You have so much to offer others. And what I'd like to focus on today, as we mentioned earlier, is uncovering what shadow work is, you know, what what are our shadows and Mm. how that helps us in our journey of expressing our best and fulfilling our potential in our lifetime. So Mm. I'd like to start with, you know, the most uh, simple question for anyone who might not have heard of shadow work or or shadows. What are our shadows? Because we're not talking about shadows when we're standing in the (laughs) sun. We're talking about something else. 
Sure. But even that kind of like imagining standing in the sun and that that casting of a shadow, there's like a real um, there's a real correlation there as well, if you can think about it. And our shadows can be um, and, and shadow work is such a deep subject that I don't even pertain to be an expert at it. I still believe that I'm at the beginning of the exploration of what shadows shadow work is and what shadow work has been for me. And there's always more. But to simplify it, our shadows are the aspects of ourselves that we repress. And it may be that we're repressing, we, we repress uh, aspects of ourselves that we could consider like a positive aspect, or it might be an aspect of ourselves that we repress that we would consider to be a negative aspect. And the reason that we tend to suppress these, these, these aspects of ourselves is because we need to fit in. It's usually done for a reason of survival. So if we're in a group, um, for instance, normally like our initial tribe is going to be our family unit. And if our family go one way and we've got a different aspect of ourselves that doesn't really fit in with the culture, when you're a young child, you're going to suppress that or it's going to be better for you to suppress that in order to not meet with any kind of conflict. So, for instance, if you're like looking at the more positive aspects that you may suppress is that if you're in a family that are very practical and and pragmatic about the way that they deal with their lives and you want to be an artist and live on the beach and like, you know, just sell coconut juice, they're not (laughs) they're not going to see the sense in that. They're like, you know, you've got to go to school and go to university and go to thing, get a job. Why would you do something like that? You know, there's no no money in it. And why would you want to do that? And you're just going to starve to death and it's going to be terrible. And, you know, so when you've got your primary um, support group kind of really pushing down on you uh, of something that is like your core you just feel you know it's probably better for me just to pretend that I'm not creative and really put that to one side and push that down even though that's always burning inside of you to explore so in order to survive you're going to do that but similarly we will have things that we would perhaps consider to be negative aspects of ourselves that we'll also suppress as well. So you may have what we, you know, anger issues or greed issues as well, that when we hear those things like anger and greed don't really sound like the most best qualities for anybody to have. So by rights, yeah, you would suppress those things as well. And those get pushed down. But in looking at both of those aspects, we have to one, look at why would we suppressing anger and suppressing greed? Yeah, you don't want to be around angry and greedy people. The shadow work is looking at what we've got as shadows and then working how to have an awareness of them and integrating aspects of them that are beneficial to us. for, For instance, for me, if I was to live my life by suppressing all of my creativity, I would be a very miserable person. That is the the part of me that makes me come alive. So I had to allow those creative aspects to come into myself and be aware that I suppressed them in order to survive um, the unit. But then it came to a point that in order to be in a full expression of myself, I had to bring those up. But similarly, looking at things like anger and greed, yeah, you don't want to go around being an angry person or a greedy person, but maybe we need to look at the reasons why you had anger and why you developed anger. Maybe it's a trauma response to something. Maybe you the only way that you could express yourself or be seen was to be angry because you weren't being heard. Or maybe your greed aspect comes from being in a family where there wasn't, you know, the resources were low. So that as you grow older, you just feel that you always need to have the most or keep the most around you because you're still triggering that aspect of yourself that felt that like if I I didn't have enough there was never enough things were always going to run out so there's a a balancing of both of those where we have to look at those so-called negative aspects what actually created that and how can we like have an awareness of why they got created and then also what it what is it about anger that is negative or what is it about anger that you can use there's an energy there also what is it about greed that you can use as well that no you don't have to go to the extreme of hoarding all the things but you know how to be resourceful so you know it's it's seeing that there are layers to everything and not just putting things out another way of identifying what might be our shadow is kind of looking at how we judge other people you know so if you're looking out in the world and go oh my god that person's so loud or so self-centered a lot of the time we're projecting in our judgments and there might be a part of ourselves a shadow part of ourselves 
ourselves that's pointing the finger and and judging other people that's actually you know we've got to take take on board that there's a part of ourselves that's actually that and we're pushing it out wow there is so much to unpack there (laughs) I I want to go back to the start and almost like summarize what you said because I think you explained it so beautifully so our shadows are the part of us the part of ourselves that we are repressing, that we're burying because from a young age we've been taught in one way or another that something is acceptable or something isn't, right? Mm-hmm. I actually heard someone explain it in a very visual way like this week and I loved it. And they said that from the moment we're born, imagine that we are a computer and the computer is completely blank. There's no programming on it. And then everything that we get exposed to during our upbringing from parents, society, school, everything that we get exposed to, any throwaway comments, anything that we get in trouble for, anything that we get rewarded for, that then gets downloaded into the programming of our computer and then we mm-hmm. have this computer as an adult that we do, we aren't even aware of that contains this programming of, oh, if I am like this, then I am acceptable, I am loved, I am um, worthy. But if I am like this, then I'm not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, and it's so true. I think one of the things that we more and more understanding is that we are like total software and those first seven years of our life are the most delicate really is that when you're really going to be taking on board all of the information from outside and also reasoning it and kind of like allowing that to run your life on like a subconscious level and unfortunately like a lot of the time if especially if you experience big trauma in your early years you can you'll you'll set something up to protect yourself that will keep you going keep you in survival mode for a long time but there'll come a point where it's not working for you anymore I mean it never does work but if you imagine like the the further away you get from that point where you set it there's more and more tension and you'll get to the point where you know things will keep reoccurring and it's really going back to that point of like what is the program that I took on board and also forgiveness you know because it was your one to seven year old self that put that program in place and like what you know bless seven year olds but they don't really know how to run the life of a 30 year old woman but they do it with the best of intention without fully understanding the world so going back to that is like really working out where those programs came from why we put them in place and then finding ways of inserting new programs but also being very forgiving of yourself because you know taking the time to really honor yourself for actually setting that up for you because it was protecting you and releasing yourself protecting yourself you know forgiving yourself but also forgiving the people around you because for the most part most of us are really just trying to do the best with what we know you know (laughs) and so so we can't really blame too hard you know sometimes people are deliberately evil and hurtful but for the most part everyone's just trying to do the best that they can Mm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that Carol because yeah I think a big part of this process is doing the work on ourselves, shining the light on ourselves. And it can be very easy to um, be harsh on ourselves and um, mm-hmm. to, to beat ourselves up for not being, um, you know, what we would like to be already. But yeah, going back to what you mentioned before, you mentioned trauma before. And I think that's actually worth touching on because yeah, up until, you know, the younger we are up until seven, maybe even a little bit older, there are these these traumas that can be downloaded into this software, but it's not always big trauma, is it? Like it's not always that you have to have had like abusive parents or an abusive upbringing. It can also be like little t trauma as well. So are you able to touch on that and how that can affect, you know, everyone who's listening in, in one way or another? Mm. I mean, even like the little t traumas, I think one of the things that a lot of people have to unlearn and unpick is like your family's attitude to money and how that affects how you go out into the world in your own self-worth you know and I think that's especially as entrepreneurs when you're moving out of the employee space where you kind of going and they tell you we're going to give you x amount of thousands per year and over the year we'll incrementally give you like an extra five percent or ten percent or a bonus you kind of go in there and your worth is set by you but then when you set up as an individual as an entrepreneur when you realize that actually your value is over and above what an employee will pay you because they're running a business so you're just part of the expense sheet really you know you're a person but when you're an entrepreneur rather you really need to look at 
what you feel that you're worth. And sometimes where we struggle is because our self-worth isn't really, we've still got that employee mindset. And especially if you come from a a family of employees, then to say that what your people are used to working a year for is possible for you to generate on your own in a month is inconceivable. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs will back up against that. But a lot of the time that comes from that core belief that gets set in of that how did money how was money spoken about in your family and that doesn't even mean that you had no money it it can be from people who were wealthy that we were called rich and wealthy they can still have very scarcity mindsets around wealth as well or around money whether you've got a lot of money or whether you've got you know a tiny amount of money obviously having more kind of like makes it a little bit easier to bear but there's that same mindset that can run through with with wherever you're at as well. So those those are other little traumas. Just also not feeling feeling seen or self worth as well. Sometimes if your parents are really busy with other things, you may not feel that you get the attention or the acknowledgement that you need as well. So you kind of get used to being unseen, or you end up putting yourself in situations where you get treated not the best. You know, just because you're that's like your set level of expectation. You're not used to people really pouring into you. You're not used to people acknowledging the things that you do. And you kind of carry that all the way through life. So it's like a a plethora of things that get set in those early years. And then if we don't realize that we're not really getting as much as is possible, it usually roots down to something early. Mm, Yeah, money was a big one for me and my family being the daughter of immigrant parents. You know, Mm. came to Australia with not that much originally. And as you were talking, like I was thinking as well, like what else was programmed into my software? And I know, and this is some work that I've done on before, is my sensuality. Like I remember mm. when I was starting to go through puberty, it was like, oh, you know, you sh- should wear these tops to hide your breast development. Like don't wear clothes that show too much of your skin. And like that was a big contributor to suppression of sensuality and thinking that my sexuality was a bad thing. Um, do you mm. have any other examples of what common shadows people may experience are? Well, there's that one like that you spoke about sensuality and then that can kind of pop out in two different ways as well. So it can be that you go into like total repression, you know, you're kind of wearing things to the neck, you know, like you look totally covered and you're very overly ashamed of of how your your body is or you don't really pour into your own body. But then also you can it can be that you kind of go the other way and become overly promiscuous. You know, it's like kind of will pop out either side where then you, you know, suddenly clothes don't matter. Suddenly your body is everybody's, you know, there's that, there's that element of really not taking care of yourself as well. Also the way that you might be able to communicate your own needs as well. I think that's a, a thing that we all really struggle with as well. Sometimes is when you're not used to being us what you want or you're not confident in just saying actually this is what I want and setting a boundary I think is one of the biggest ones where we just allow people to kind of run roughshod over us because we're not used to saying yes or no in certain situations and we'll just kind of go along with what is being presented to us you know and and having having that people pleasing wanting to be nice I think is one of the the biggest ones that most people can relate to is just you want to be a nice person, you want to be a good person, but not really realizing that being a nice person and a good person comes from being a nice person, a good person to yourself first. Putting yourself in situations where you're wearing yourself out and not getting anything back doesn't garner you any respect from that person and then also doesn't build your own self-respect, you know, so you get caught in that trap of just feeling very low and down on yourself. And I think the most common thing that people will say is like, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough. And, mm. you know, that that's like probably the most common one that people just don't think that they're enough. And that a lot of time just comes from not having that understanding of self-worth and self-love and what that actually really means. And it's not just about being fluffy and, and light and a pushover. It's about really knowing who you are and standing up for yourself in a loving and compassionate way and setting your boundaries. Mm. So all of these patterns and behaviors that we have as adults, it stems from the conditioning that we've had from a young Mm. age. And this shadow work is about not just 
going through life and living it, but actually reflecting and and looking at ourselves and being like, why are we the way that Mm -hmm. we are and how can we shift this so that we can uh, fulfill our potential? And I know that you've been on this journey, Carol, like you have done work on yourself. You've looked at your shadows and you have worked through them. You've you've shifted them. So like to the extent that you're happy to share, Carol, um, what has been your journey of the shadows that you have worked through? Yeah, I'll say it's not over. (laughs) Is it ever over, right? (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, yeah, I've done, you know, I've done it. I've got the T-shirt. I've done shadow work. I'm I'm healed, you know. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) It's going to be a lifetime of things. There are areas in my life that I still know that I have to work on, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I can see them kind of coming up, you know, that, that relate that things that I've kind of pushed to the side that I still have to deal with. And the, I, I would say the, the, the main two that I've really had to look at is the suppression of my creativity, the suppression of my own voice, which would sound like a, a crazy thing to say from someone who has spent their life wanting to be a musician and is doing podcasts and, and teaching and speaking, all of that kind of thing, that I would ever have an issue with speaking up and suppressing my creativity but because it was so because it you know people kind of said yeah you know you're doing that good but there was like a kind of like timer in their head that it got to the point where like are you still trying to do that music thing are you still trying to why are you doing a podcast it's not making any money you know all the things that I really love to do all the things that I really express to do I found that I wasn't really able to speak about that in certain circles, especially when I went and was in the core of my family. This was like the biggest thing in my life. This is the thing that I could see in my mind was going to be what I was creating. I was creating it. I was trying it. And yet it wasn't really what I could talk about. I didn't have a corporate job. I didn't have a house or a car or kids or anything that everyone else was talking about. So I I had to suppress that part of myself and it, and it caused an imbalance in that because I was pandering to the people who cared the less and were the least interested in what I was doing, then I wasn't really, I was not putting as much um, conviction and energy into what I really wanted to do because there was that element of like, yeah, they're going to see me, they're going to judge me. Yeah, they're going to, you know, I, I was still very cognizant of the voices in my head, the voices of other people. And when I really looked at why that was and why I had this people-pleasing tendency and also why I had this people-pleasing tendency to people who didn't actually really truly understand me. I had to look at why I was hiding that all the time and really just go, hang on a minute, you've spent years doing this and look at all that I'd benefited from following my path, you know, and starting to listen to people who were getting sort of some sort of benefit and inspiration and help from what I was doing as opposed to the people that were telling me all the things that were wrong. It was, you know, just a a quick DM on Instagram that say like, I really like your podcast. Thanks. It helped me. Or it kind of put me in contact with someone else, you know, so you realize that you're actually making, doing a service there. And also really looking at the things that I learned in just staying true to myself and giving myself respect and honor for that. It's like not many people will just hard, you know, be so tenacious and stubborn to keep going despite all the noise. So what I had to do in that point of view is like, if I want to move forward and give all of my energy to this, then I need to make a decision as to close those voices down, is to really look at all the things that I've created and honour myself that despite that, this is something that's worthy of, of me as well and, and incorporate that, that shadow aspect, bring that in and honour that because I've been given a gift and the more energy and love and respect that I give myself for doing these things despite all of that. And also looking at the reasons that I was angry. I was angry at people. I was angry at myself. I was frustrated. I was stuck in situations and really kind of go to the core root of why that anger built up. And there were justifiable reasons. There were there were things that what happened that weren't that were not fair. But honoring that, forgiving myself for being that anger, but then also not just suppressing the anger in myself and that's not me going around being angry because you know that's not really me but there's an energy and there's a force of anger that is a forward motion so bringing the energetics of what anger is and using that energy of 
you know, just putting that energy back into myself and using that energy of anger without expressing it as anger, using that energy of anger into my voice and into my creativity. So that's how I learned how to integrate it. And I'm sure there's a plethora of um, different ways and systems to do it. And I'm like I said, there's other parts of me that I'm, I see, okay, that's going to come up soon. So we're going to have to learn to, you know, work on that. But having done it a number of time and done that kind of messy self-reflection and honest reflection as well, you know, and looking at parts where I was culpable, you know, taking the blame and taking the responsibility for it, not just being everything that happened to me, but my reaction and my behavior was not always the best. But again, we do it because we're doing the best that we can. Mm -hmm. So the two main shadows that you've worked to integrate is is the anger and Mm -hmm. the creativity. And you've mentioned that it's been a process that, you know, isn't perfect. It's been messy in some ways and it's still going in some ways. Mm. For for those who are listening and, you know, they may be interested to apply this in a practical way. Maybe they've never even uh, thought about this before. Maybe, yeah, half an hour ago, hadn't even heard of what our shadows are. Like, where would you recommend them start? Like, what are the some practical, uh, tangible ways for us to start? being able to recognize what our shadows are and then start to integrate them? Um, I would say, I mean, start by just going online and having a look and just watching a few videos. You know, there's there's lots of people that are put like YouTube. Um, there are a lot of people that are putting out information about this. And, you know, there's varying different um, levels of, of depth that they're looking at too. So there can be like a very kind of gentle introduction into it. And then there's a the deep psychological Jungian shadow work as well but I would say just going on exploration going to YouTube put shadow work in watch some watch some um watch some videos and just kind of get familiar with the terminology and what it's all about and a lot of the people that are putting out information will be offering courses or healing or some sort of um way to do it they might have a book or they might have like one-to-one sessions that you can do with them as well so i'd say go out there and we live in an age where people are out there putting out their information and you just work you, you know see who speaks to you see whose language that you like whose approach that you like see you know get on their mailing list kind of like get into their world follow them on social media see what they're putting out if they've got a podcast listen to their podcast and then usually they'll be offering some sort of coaching or some something like that and then and then kind of step into their world a little bit deeper and and work with somebody and work with a group and see how they can help you that's kind of how I did it I did it through a lot of books and and podcasting and there's there's deeper ways that I want to look into it so I'm still looking at the right person to go deep deep on it as well because there's a deeper level that I really want to explore personally for myself as well like I said I can see things that I'm like okay I've not touched those things for for (laughs) for a while they need to they need to be my next level thing so yeah yeah. Okay. I love that. So you, you've mentioned, you know, coaches out there who'll do this healing work. You're looking for one to go real deep with. Would mm. you say that there is a particular point where we should do this with a, a coach or someone who is trained to guide us in this process? Or um, yeah, can we explore this on our own for a period of time? Like what has been your experience with what's worked best for you? Just I I would say if you're not the kind of person who's um, used to self-inquiry and sitting on your own for long periods of time and really going into the depths and the corners of your mind, then you'll probably benefit sooner than later to get somebody on board and work with a group or work with a coach or or in that way. I spent a lot of time just kind of thinking and dealing and kind of bringing it up myself. But then I always realize it's not until I kind of start to listen to other people's take and and direction and perspective on it that they're going to be able to see other parts that you can't see yourself you know there's only so much that we can recognize in ourselves, and then we do need another aspect of somebody else to see something around us that we're not seeing as well and also they will be able to reflect slash trigger something to come out of you that you wouldn't necessarily 
be able to encounter yourself. And a lot of the time, what we do in our own space is when we kind of buck up against something that feels a little bit uncomfortable, we might actually just avoid it. <laughs> so yes. sometimes you need that other person to come in and go, okay, we've found somewhere, we've found something now, now is the time to kind of dig into that discomfort. So as much as I know that I'm able to do things myself, like I said, I'm always uh, I'm always working better when I'm working with other people on those aspects. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. Cause even me thinking about my journey, I remember there was one point where I was working like seven days a week in the business. I wouldn't take any time off. And I was like, this is fine. Like I'm happy. I want to do this. I'm ready to hustle. I really want the business to grow. And I had my mentor at the time and he mm. looked at me and he was like, train. He gave me that look. He was like, Trang, you know, what is your issue with taking at like even just two hours off on the weekend? And I was like, I don't have time to take two hours off. Like I could be using that time to work on my business. Anyway, he illuminated that to me because I didn't even realize I was avoiding like facing the fact that I had issues with taking time off. And right. that stems back to, you know, when I was younger and I want to mention as well, like I'm, I'm talking about childhood here, but, you know, my parents, they did the best with what they knew and, you know, they, they were immigrants. They wanted to set me up for a really good, stable um, life. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was that narrative of, oh, like you already, you know, rested yesterday. You already saw friends yesterday. Why are you resting again today? Like, why are you not studying? Like you're going to be working, tutoring after school. And that I, I just took on the association that work meant that I was going to be respected, that I was going to be, you know, acknowledged. And if I rested too much, then that was a non, yeah, non-respectable thing in a way, interestingly. Mm-hmm. So had to work through that and I wouldn't have done it otherwise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just need that, that mirror of that one thing that you can't see. And sometimes even people will mirror something in you just by being in their presence. You know, like I said, especially when it comes to shadow, if you find yourself being like seriously judgmental about someone without, you know, them being in your sphere, it might be someone in the public eye, there's going to be an element of their, what you're projecting out to them that is part of you. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to see it, you know? So it's, it's like, you have to also look at where we have like heavy judgment. It's like, just ask yourself a question, you know, and you think, well, no, no, I'd I'd never be that. It's like, you know, maybe just ask yourself a question. Is there a part of me that's the name that I'm calling that person, the way that I'm judging them? Is there a part of me that is, is, is that, or has a real, or, or, or has a real aversion to that because it, it shows me where I want to be. You know, sometimes our projection about something is because someone's displaying something that we actually want to do. They've kind of stepped past the point. You know, there's a, especially within the females and there's been this kind of real competition set up against mm. women, against women, you know, which I think a lot of us are starting to go, this doesn't work now and really dismantling that not just kind of projecting out to somebody and going, well, she looks like this, so she must be that. It's like, well, maybe not. You know, you you just don't know whose journey is 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 what and what it took to get there. Like you might have like this real distaste for some woman because she's slim and gorgeous and you think she's had everything. She might have spent the past five years losing 200 pounds to look that good, you know? So you can't just judge someone immediately, even though that's kind of where we go. Um, first, it's like we have to kind of respect that someone has taken a lot of steps to be who they are. And that's not to say there aren't vacuous, shallow people out there. You know, we we see social media. So there is that. But then there's also people that really have worked to get what they want. So we need to understand where we're coming from when we have these kind of judgmental, instant judgmental accusations of people. Yeah, there's a lot to... There's a lot to understand when it comes to our relationship with other people in terms of like our shadows and understanding why we're getting triggered by someone. And yeah, as Mm. you say, it's not always them, is it? It's it's because they're triggering something that is unresolved within us. It's like a a belief system that that we have um, taken on. So can you speak more on that? Like if someone's triggering us, if we're feeling like we're judging someone, like how to catch ourselves with our thoughts so that we can stop or we can redirect that projection from them mm. to us. Yeah. 
I mean, if you find yourself like going on and on and on about a certain situation or a certain person and, you know, like you've decided that you know everything about them and they're all of these things, then if it, you know, like we have, we see things, we kind of have an opinion, but if it becomes like this recurring thing that it's always in your mind or you're always talking about it or you're always gossiping about it, then just notice when you, you know, start to get bored with your own conversation, especially if it's repetitive and it's not positive and really look at what it is that you're judging that person for. You know, what, why am I always saying these things? Especially a lot of the time when we're judging, we don't, it doesn't feel good in our bodies. You know, like no one ever kind of sits there and like slags someone off and, and feels good about it you know, there's going to be like some sort of like icky residue in you where you're just like, okay, I said that. And like, you know, if it's not something that you'd be happy to say out loud about somebody, then then there's something that's going on there that's not really nice. Where in your, where in you, what's that triggering in you? What is it bringing up for you? Is it something in yourself that you're hiding? Is that person showing you, especially in this age of like everyone showing how well they're doing and kind of, you know, like hitting like, you know, six figure, seven figure. Like if you've got a problem with that, if you're really judgmental about that, what is that showing you? That jealousy that it's showing you, is it showing you that you're, you've got this kind of backwards respect for that person because they've actually followed through on their dreams and made it, you know, and made it and is showing you. And the problem that you have with them is it's just really showing you where you've not taken action, where you've not looked at yourself and you feel the gap and their success is just highlighting where you're not taking action on yourself and the further and further away they go from you seemingly is really shining a light on the fact that you're stuck and you're procrastinating and you're fearful about taking action on the thing that you say that you want to take action on. I think that's one of the main ones, you know, that tall poppy syndrome of people, you want to pull people back down to size. Why? Why don't you want to find out what it is that took them up? And, and allow them because usually anyone who's kind of made any kind of success, like you say, it's like seven days a week. It's like, even when you want to rest, your mind's still there going, well, maybe, you know, I'm missing out on a thing or could I send another email or could I just kind of research something more or, you know, like refine what I'm doing. So a lot of the time, what we're seeing in other people is a reflection of something that we're not looking at or something that we want. You know, it's, it's, it's showing us, it's always showing us a part of ourselves. It's always about you. Yeah. Yeah. I love this topic because, you know, flipping it the other way around when we aren't in the, the seat of judging someone else, there's a common fear of being judged. And then when we understand this, concept we understand that when we are being judged it's also not about us is it Mm, mm. and I think that's that's usually the hardest one to take on board is like a lot when you put yourself out there and when you get the judgment it, it feels so personal but the person is having that conversation in their head they're not having it with you if they see a post on social media or something that you've put out and then their response is to kind of tap something some mean comment underneath it it's like they're not having a conversation with you the conversation that they're having is solely in their heads and their perspective so they're arguing with themselves ultimately but of course we read it and you're just like oh my how dare you you know your feelings get hurt and you don't want to put things out there but it's ultimately when you're when you're having these conversations when people are trolling you they're trolling themselves they're having this internal conversations with themselves and I think all of us have to just be mindful of that especially when we get those hateful messages that it's not never about us even though it feels like it Mm, yeah absolutely so we are getting to near the end of the episode now and I do want to ask you one more question Carol before we go into the rapid fire questions (laughs) and this is simply opening up the floor for you Carol to share or leave a message with the listeners when it comes to shadow work for based on your experience, based on what you have seen and what you've done when it comes to shadow work, what could you leave with the listeners so that they can go on their journey and make the most of it? Um, I'm going to, I'm trying to bring to mind, like Carl Jung is the one that is um, shadow work is attributed to. And there's a quote from him that, I can't remember word for word, but it's saying that if unless you make the dark 
conscious, the darkness conscious, it will ruin it. It will rule your life, and you will call it fate. So you'll keep thinking, oh, why do I keep bucking up against this? And why do I keep having these crappy relationships with guys? And why does this always happen to me? And you'll always think that it's outside circumstances that are creating this situation for you. But it's about if you go into those darker aspects of yourself and really acknowledge them and become aware of them and integrate them, then you can actually put light on that and call and use it to actually move your life forward instead of just thinking things are happening to you, it brings the control back to you. So that's what I would say about shadow work is look at those dark, icky aspects of yourself that you're ignoring. But when you actually see them for what you are, what they are, um, it, it brings light to your life. You you forgive yourself, you forgive people that you blamed, and it allows you to move forward in, in, in a such a, 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 an easier and ease-filled way. Oh, that is good. Yeah. You know, go through that short term pain to end the long term suffering. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. All right. Well, Carol, we are going to go into the rapid fire questions now. This is a little <laughs> bit of fun. This is for us to get to know you a little bit more personally. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So, first question What is your favorite movie? This was so hard. <laughs> What's my favourite movie? I really like black and white movies more than modern movies as well. And I think if I think one of the films that I've watched the most, more than anything, I would say is Sunset Boulevard, the original black and white version. It's got all the quotes, you know, like, yeah, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. If you haven't seen, watched it, and, and all of what I've just said will make perfect sense. But if you want to see like a full black and white proper Hollywood, when Hollywood was Hollywood, watch <laughs> Sunset Boulevard in black and white. It's stunning movie making, yeah. Okay, I need to add that onto my list then. Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. the black and white one. All right, yeah. yeah. Love it. Maybe maybe that's that's like the best homework you can be given. Like after listening to this podcast, go and watch a movie. And this is the movie that yeah. will help like shed light on everything that we discuss. What great homework. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, next one. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. For you, Carol, mornings or nights? Mornings. <laughs> <laughs> As we like tune in up. bright and early yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. What time yeah, is it over I'm- there again? Um, now it's just before 8am, but like I usually, I kind of, when I was doing my yoga practice, like we used to do sadness. So I was used to getting up at 4am in the morning and doing practice, which sounds like madness, but honestly, like it shifts your entire day. If you get up and do your practice that early, even if you go and have a quick nap, then you get up, you know, you're at nine o'clock and you've been up for hours and everyone's just kind of falling into the world. It's, it gives you a different perspective. I love the mornings. Like if you try and speak to me at 9pm and expect me to be productive, like you're not going to get much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the exact same. Like I I always front load my days, all my calls, my podcast recordings, my coaching is in the morning. And this is probably the latest that I will do a podcast because I know that yeah, you're more of a morning person. You're coming in, um, calling in from England. I'm in Australia, 5pm over here, but that's all good. We set. (laughs) Um, All right. Next one. Most memorable place that you've traveled? Um, Do you know what? I'm going to say New York. And this is, I went to New York years ago and I, you know, like this is like the Twin Towers were still there. This is how long ago I went. And this is like the first trip that I took abroad on my own as an adult. And I flew over New York in the evening And I think I arrived in New York, maybe 10 p.m. And I had a window seat. So I'd grown up seeing New York on TV like everyone does. And then I flew over Manhattan on a window seat looking out and it was lit up and it looked exactly like it did on the TV. And it was just like my heart was like, oh, my God, you know, that kind (laughs) of thing of like, oh, my God, look at New York. I can't believe it. And it was just Manhattan in lights looking down from an aeroplane and just like this girl in a suitcase just coming over from England to like have this adventure. So that was my first. And, you know, I've had other trips, but that one was the first one that just really hit me as like this traveling bug is cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the first one, isn't it? Because the contrast of, okay, you've never been there before. And this is the first time it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Total, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, next one. How many coffees a day? I'm a zero to one person. Like I just like I don't have a coffee machine. Like if I have a coffee, it's usually that I've gone to a coffee shop, but not every day. I can I'm all right. I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a beautiful energy. I can see that. Um, all right. Last one. If you could only do one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? Writing. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. Of some, of, of some sort, because writing encompasses pretty much everything that I do. So um, to not be able to write, that would be quite sad. So yeah. Yeah. Such a creative outlet. I see that. Mm. Mm. Well, Carol, this takes us to the end of the episode. I can't believe that we've been speaking for 50 minutes. It honestly feels like it's been 15. <laughs> yeah, um, so before we close it out, Carol, could you please share with us more about where we can find you, your podcast, anything that you're offering? Let it all out so that we can dig into you and, and find out more about you. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So I've actually got two podcasts now because like one's not enough. (laughs) And um, so the first one that I had and I launched in 2017 is called Her Conversations. And Her in my world is an acronym for Higher Energetic Resonance Conversations. So that is the one where for the most part, I'm speaking to people from all over the world, all different modalities. And the tagline to that is Tools for the Awakening. So anyone who's really pouring into the shift in, in awareness, in humanity and the up-leveling of the species and just the huge awakening within us individually and also on a collective basis. The other one is Her Inspirations and that's been running for about five months now and that's just me taking one subject and really looking into it in a more deeper level. So um, this last week I looked at procrastination. So I'm talking about procrastination just from, from a psychological aspect, but also from a spiritual aspect. And then at the end of each episode, I'll put like a breath work or a meditation or visualization so that if you want to work through that, then it can kind of fuel how you can do that as well. So the end of the procrastination one was a practice to kind of really work on your fear because ultimately procrastination is fear. So it was just to help you with that as well. Um, on my website, which is carolmaywittick.com. So I spell that C-A-R-O-L-M-A-E-W-H-I-T-T-I-C-K.com is all about me and there's also I'm doing an offering as well which is a free journey a free week-long journey called embody her embody higher energetic resonance and what this is about I I call it three steps closer to being the women woman of your dreams and this is if you really want to do something and you're kind of finding that you're not getting the impetus to start because a lot of the time when we have a dream we're keeping it so far ahead of us that we never take action because we're like yeah but who am I and I haven't got the things and I haven't got the money and I don't know the stuff and you know you're going to come up with a million different reasons why you can't do this but embody her is if you actually embody who it is that you want to be you know where you want to go because you're seeing it in your mind but you're not starting but if you get into the space and the energy and the feeling of that higher energetic resonance that hurt in the future and start to work from that aspect, then you can go forward with your dreams as someone who's already accomplished it, as opposed to sitting on the side going one day, one day. So you get into the present moment feeling of that successful person and you move forward. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any aspects of issues come up, but you're going to be able to deal with it from a more empowered position. So it's a week long journey of just kind of taking you through some exercises and visualization and journaling that will just get you into that space. And there's more about me there, like my my coaching and my music, but that's the main thing that I'm offering at the moment. So it's free, you know, give it a try. <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right. I'm absolutely like so excited to see more of you, Carol. I'm going to put all of the links and everything that you've just spoken about in the show notes. So everyone go check it out because Carol, like I said before, has a beautiful energy and I think so much to share. Um, So Carol, once again, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for shedding light on shadow, on our shadows, (laughs) on how we can work through them. I think this is a very powerful episode uh, that's maybe a little bit different from what is usually uh, spoken about or explored on this podcast. So um, yeah, thank you. No problem. Thanks for the invitation. And there it is, my conversation with Carol May Wittick on shedding light on our shadows. What a 
beautiful episode that was. I really hope that that was just as eye-opening and expansive and valuable for you as it was for me. And I really hope that that conversation has inspired you and empowered you and given you the awareness so that you can take the next steps to uncover your shadows and integrate them so that you can rise up to be the highest version of you that you can be in this lifetime. And as Carol said, it's not a set process. You know, you never make it. (laughs) There's no set time where you integrate your shadows and then you are done for life. You can switch off and, you know, retire. No, (laughs) it's a lifelong process. I mean, everything in life is a lifelong process, but that's what I believe is what makes life so meaningful and enjoyable. Because every day that we wake up, there is more to work towards. There is more to grow into. There is more to build and create and look forwards to and hope for. And that is what makes life beautiful. That's what makes every single day beautiful. Because if we could have everything that we need and want right now, then that would take away the the mystery and the thrill and the meaning of waking up and getting out of bed in the morning. So enjoy this process, make it a part of your ongoing journey of evolution and growth towards your highest self. All right, if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out to either Carol or me. All of our details are in the podcast show notes. Once again, I really hope that you got a lot or at least just one thing out of this episode. You enjoy the rest of your day. Keep expressing your best and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.